Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Tool Belt Podcast, brought to you by Plant Services. I'm Tom Wilk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and in this episode, I talk to Haven Allen, the CEO and co-founder of MHub, a leading hard tech and manufacturing innovation center in Chicago. Haven Allen checked in with us to talk about some of the ways that MHub is helping drive the next generation of digital plants, as well as connecting workers with training and job opportunities in an industrial landscape that is only going more digital by the day. Um, yeah, the first one is, is kind of a biggie. I'm just noticing several inflection points that have all come together, right? First, you've got the COVID pandemic, and then you've got yeah. people who are rethinking energy plans in the wake of a new administration who very likely will rejoin the Paris uh, Global Warming Accords, and then the general Industry 4.0 transformation in general. You know, Haven, what are your thoughts on how industry handles all these inflection points at the same time? Well, yeah, and, and then just, you know, a general realignment of, I would say, supply chains that are going to happen globally because mm-hmm. of COVID. I don't know. I, I mean, I've definitely witnessed the manufacturing industry be very uh, resilient, and they've had to be as, uh, you know, for the last 20 years, there's just been this constant battle. I mean, Industry 4.0 isn't anything new. And machine-to-machine communication, robotics, and automation has been going on for 20, 30 years. It's just now, I think, um, price points are starting to come down where uh, there's going to be a higher level of adoption um, by manufacturers. And I just know from some of the, the startups that are at MHub, um, they're, they're creating plug-and-place uh, uh, situations to, you know, get that predictive analytics to, um, to incorporate those sensors. And it's no longer that you have to bring in whole consultant, reconfigure your lines. You can take existing mm-hmm. infrastructure um, and use some of these plug and play solutions like uh, Amper technology and immediately be industry 4.0. It's a, it's a, it's a battle for productivity and it always has been. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the, the manufacturers that, have continued to uh, invest in continuous improvement, continuous to to guard their trade secrets, create new trade secrets on the way that they uh, do the production. They're 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 going to win out. Okay. Well, and do you see these kind of solutions like you're talking about the new plug and play solutions, which enable sort of quick reconfiguration? Do you see these new solutions as helping industry tackle more than one of those problems at a time, like? Uh, like easing the issue of, of tight resourcing from sick outs uh, at the same time as they're enabling yeah. digital because you've got technology that can, that can streamline, you know, the, the workload and also just uh, make it more efficient. In, in some instances, absolutely. But I, I think um, there's all these, all the startup activity going on in the industry 4.0 and the energy sustainability mm-hmm. space, the, you know, the connected worker, the connected work site, and, you know, there's still standard protocols that are being created, either from like a cybersecurity standpoint or just the, the way that um, you know, these Internet of Things devices are, are communicating with each other. And there's still some play, things that need to play out in that respect. And, and then from there, ultimately, an integration. But, you know, you can sort of piecemeal things together. Um, I, I think every, every day, every year, it's becoming – easier, cheaper, and uh, providing you with more access to data, or at least enabling you to use more of the data that you're generating. Okay. 
Well, if I could turn to the MRO sector in particular, there's been a lot yeah. of challenges in, in this sector, especially with making up for a lot of the boomer generation who are retiring right now. Okay. Uh, when I started with plant services six years ago, it was just on the horizon, maybe starting to happen, and now we're in full-blown full blown, uh, mode where people are trying to figure out what they do to, to fill the positions. Um, right. What are some of the things that you've seen MHUB and its, and its partners doing to to target the, the next generation of workers and pull them into this side of the industry? Yeah, I, I mean, MHUB was set up as um, a space that uh, provided people with access to equipment, talent, technical training, business training, in order, order to allow people the, the, the access they need to launch new hard tech and manufacturing companies. I think before a place like MHUB, you know, you, you went to university, you went to your technical training program, and then the only way you would have access to very capital-intensive equipment um, would be through generally your employer. And now MHUB and centers like MHUB are providing, you know, very capital-intensive, very technical equipment um, to people so that they can innovate, they can create, they can optimize their products. And I think that's mm -hmm. going to launch a whole new wave of hard tech and manufacturing companies. Um, but it's also, you know, it's it's becoming an attraction in itself for young kids to come and see the latest and greatest 3D printers and robotics. And I don't know, I think there's a, a, a reinvigoration going on right now where people are excited about hard tech, the STEM, the hard sciences. And in the long run, it's it's going to play out. Um, and, you know, on top of that, um, you know, for us, we, we definitely host uh, interns with the local high school systems to attract people, making sure that, you know, that idea of you can't be what you can't see, we want to make sure that everybody can see what, what's happening now in manufacturing, both on the, uh, the creation and the making side of things. Um, and besides that, you know, we, uh, we launched a program. Um, well, I'll back up. The last two years we've been focusing on generally removing financial barriers of entry for mm -hmm. entrepreneurs and, and the people that want to launch manufacturing companies. And we've done that okay. uh, initially from two different lenses. One, um, you know, with MHUB, we have 270 startups active today. There's over 600 engineers in our talent pool. And many okay. of them um, need supplemental income in order to be able to, um, you know, go after their entrepreneurial pursuit, their small business pursuit. And we've actually, um, over the last two years, have contracted our uh, pool of engineers out to small and medium-sized manufacturers for short-term R&D projects. Um, it's not production okay. work, but, um, you know, we're sending teams out into uh, the field to, you know, do all sorts of automation, incorporate co-robotics, sensors into existing lines, to developing whole new products that um, are quickly scaling up through some of our manufacturing partners. So, um, and that's a, it's a great win-win because the manufacturers get access to this deep talent pool, um, but then the startups are, uh, right now, you know, we're pushing about eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a month in contracting work into our community, and we think that, yeah. that that can grow twofold by the end of this year. So, almost you can you can join the industry, get paid, but then also create your new manufacturing business at the same time. And then on the other side, um, just the the access to risk capital. MHUB just uh, did a first closing on a uh, early stage pre-seed fund, um, and this is really targeting. Uh, you know, individuals that are spinning new technology, new products out of uh, out of universities or 
you know, even in their, their garages at home. And, uh, you know, what we're going to invest is $75,000 cash into 10 startups, provide about $56,000 worth of engineering design support, fabrication support, and program support to really both build their product, their supply chain. We also have some of our manufacturing partners set up as um, piloting some of these technologies. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the other side, you know, really focused on building up the business and leadership capacity through, you know, everything from assigning mentors or taking people through our, our uh, education curriculum. Um, you know, we'll, we'll invest in 60 startups over the next three and a half years, um, mm-hmm. and we'll do so, you know, our first vertical is in the industrial Internet of Things space. Uh, so we have mm-hmm. open applications. It's a national search for the 10 best uh, early-stage startups in industrial Internet of Things. Um, applications right now are scheduled to close December 21st, but we already have 205 applications that have started. And uh, wow. you know, our initial goal was to get 250 to narrow down to that 10, so it looks like we're going to definitely track right to that. Uh, huh. In April slash May, we'll be opening up the next cohort for uh, med- medical technologies, and then we're in conversations with some of our partners right now for a cohort uh, focused on smart mobility and smart cities, and then a third one on energy and um, sustainability. Um, so, yeah, every six months we'll be investing in you know ten teams and and building their products, but you know going hand in hand and building their business, which. I think all of this is new from a manufacturing and hard tech space. Uh, this type of activity has existed, obviously, for the last two decades in software and digital side of things, and it's really just starting to spur up, uh, particularly here in the Midwest, um, on this early-stage startup. So hopefully that attracts a lot more people into the industry. And then just going back to the workforce, um, you know, I, got, I, I had the pleasure of being nominated by the mayor of Chicago um, to sit mm-hmm. on the Chicago Cook Workforce Board. It's oh, great. Um, the Chicago Cook County Workforce Investment Board. Um, you know, for the Department of Labor, we have about $70 million a year to invest in training programs and, um, you know, incumbent worker training, dislocated worker training. Um, and manufacturing is definitely one of those high areas for us. And, you know, when you talk about maintenance and repair, I, I know um, just – that those are where we're seeing a lot of growth um, in the industry, like those maintenance mechanics, the mechatronics, um, mm-hmm. especially as things are become more automated and more robotic driven. Um, you know, there's there's a very technical, high paying job that's going to be created where it's about keeping the machines running more than making the things. And um, and I think that um, that's all just starting to to really play out in the system, and it will continue to accelerate as um, more automation is uh, adopted. Yeah, that, that's automation equipment is top of the list when we do a survey with our readers on what they're going to purchase next year. Forty percent of the respondents said they're looking to automate, uh, add, add more automated equipment. And we, like you're saying, we don't take that as a potential loss of jobs. We see that as a potential uh, either break even or increase because you need, need people to help keep that, that equipment running and, and integrate it all. Let me ask the energy efficiency question, um, if I could, yeah. before we got talk about um, general digitalization. You know, I, I just got this hunch that next year is going to be a big year for that topic as you see a shift, especially, for example, automakers uh, uh, yeah. not trying to go after efficiency standards any longer, like GM uh, withdrew 
from their lawsuit over that this week. Um, I keep hearing rumblings about microgrids uh, as a good idea right. for plants who who want. And, and and as you do have electric electric car fleets roll out, you know um, you're you're, you're going to need a, 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 the best smart grid possible, the most robust, reliable. Is that what you're hearing too? That there's going to be a sort of a open market or in, increase in attention in this area. Uh, potentially. I mean, I, if, definitely. If you look at the president's plan around green tech, it seems like um, subsidies mm-hmm. and investment will be something that is prioritized again in this country. I, I would mm-hmm. say at the same time, though, you look, I mean, just the price of um, renewable energies, the price of storage, the price of battery mm-hmm. technology, the, the mm-hmm. vastness of uh, competing storage and battery technologies that are starting to be developed out of the, our universities and national labs, it's, it's an exciting time. And then, yeah, you throw in mm-hmm. microgrids and uh, the ability to, to really store, and it, it's I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's next year that there's some revolution happening, but it's happening right mm-hmm. now, and there's a lot of competing technologies that will play out. And when we look at it back five, ten years from now, um, I think microgrids, I think, you know, having battery storage, like uh, air conditioning units on the side of houses, to, to connection where you're both able to harvest energy when it's cheap and, and um, extend it when it, it's expensive, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to play out. And it's an exciting time with uh, all the, I think the investments that were probably made um, early in the, the 21st century. Um, mm-hmm. And then to see it now get more fuel on the fire, it's, it's a perfect time to, to reprioritize that is, you know, some of this technology has played out. Some of it, has, the market has spoken and opportunities mm-hmm. are being created. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. It is. It is. I, I see articles at least one a day in the more mainstream press about either efforts to find a, a lithium mine in, in the American Southwest uh, to reduce yeah. an import costs, or again, GM withdrawing their support for uh, a rollback on efficiency regulations. Um, and then we get a story about plants putting solar on the plant roof uh, to help defray electrical. So it's all adding up. Really it's amazing. Is. Yeah. And all the, these new cars that are coming out um, with mm-hmm. you know, 500 mile ranges and what that means when you have that connected into a grid system. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's exciting time. Definitely. Well, let me go to the last question. And I, I think we'll, yeah. have enough, we'll have enough questions. Um, and it's a general question about digitalization. One of the things that we've noticed um, in talking to our, our, our readers is that you know some plants are either delaying uh, going digital or they're not sure where to start. There's a simultaneous trend where a lot of OEMs, say a compressor manufacturer or maybe even a, a, a valve manufacturer, are embedding wireless technologies and network technologies right. into the machine so they can collect data on performance simply to, to keep yep. up with, with the competition. Um, what are your thoughts on plants who are delaying this sort of thing. Are, are, can they stay competitive over the, over the next five, ten years, or is the market really kind of making the decision for them? And before too long, it's just going to be certain standard turnkey items where either your either your assets are networked or you don't get them. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough because I, I think um, the big OEMs want you know broad visibility into the tier one, tier two, tier three suppliers, mm-hmm. um, and you know a lot of manufacturing becoming just in time having that visibility is essential for them to, to do the integration that they do. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I, I, I don't know. I, it's, 
I think it, it ultimately depends on who the manufacturer is, um, you know, contracting and doing work with. Um, you look at like the National Network of Advanced Manufacturing Institutes and specifically um, MXD, which is in, in Chicago, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Department of Defense has put in $100 million into uh, that center and developing, and now it's way over, it's like approaching $150 million, but <laughs> just to create that um, digital manufacturing, those digital twins, the cybersecurity, and it's it's being driven by DOD and uh, OEM manufacturers and mm-hmm. um and ultimately sort of getting pushed through the, the supply chain. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, it's, it would be, I think, more encouraging to see some of the tier three, tier fours be a bit more proactive. There's also just a lot of noise out there for them. So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I don't know. And, and so many things, again, just market-wise competing out where, you know, to do basic predictive analytics on, a single CNC machine would have cost, I don't know, ten, twenty thousand dollars three or four years ago. And mm-hmm. now you can now you, you can buy a hundred dollar piece of a, a sensor that and that plugs right in and, and is wireless <laughs> and has a ten dollar a month sort of service fee and you know, that's immediately <laughs> dropped the price down for anybody. So right. um, I don't I don't I, I wouldn't say like you know, if they're not ad- adopting right now that's fine. Not five, five years from now, they definitely be, should be aware of the, the technologies that are emerging and how mm-hmm. it fits in with their operations. Ten years from now, um, it's just going to be required by industry to have some sort of visual, uh, some sort of visualization, some sort of access to, to the analytics. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. And the machines are becoming pretty amazing and producing the data that if you know how to use it and and it, it, it can unlock a lot of value. No, I hear you. I, I completely understand. I, I, we, we do keep hearing about, especially OEMs, saying they simply need that information to stay in business right. because if they don't understand how to make – this is the way these days you get com, uh, competitive knowledge on how to build a better product. And in, com, come out with what you said about the DOD investment. That, that's a factor I hadn't considered where, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely going to be driven from that direction too government support it's well, an exciting time though hey. i mean we, we always look at like the price of components the price of uh battery storage the ability to to store and, and compute in the cloud um you know all like the the technology that was developed around the cell phones 5g now coming online it's it's unlocking it, it's creating more access than it ever has so more people can engage in this innovation um mm-hmm but it's just creating way more opportunities than you could have said 2007 when the iPhone came out. Like it hasn't been that long ago, but in, in yeah. between the, the, the last 13 years, um, all the price and all the technology, the cost has been driven down. The access has been made more um, profuse and it, it's enabling the creation of simple devices that wouldn't, you couldn't even imagine creating because they would have been cost prohibitive 10 years ago. 